I invite you to stand now as we come to our sermon text uh, this morning. We continue our time in the Gospel of Luke. And we're turning uh, this morning to Luke uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 25 through 35. Again, let us stand as we come to the hearing of God's holy and perfect Word. Again, beginning at uh, verse 25. Hear the Word of the Lord. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, This child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you've given to us your holy word this morning. And to God, we again pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would, again, not only apply these words under our hearts, but to God, that you would use these words in our lives. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. As I spoke with the children, one of the words that is key to this passage is preparation. In fact, it, it comes uh, twice in this passage. First, uh, speaking of the uh, preparation uh, that the Lord had brought in the life of Simeon. Again, Simeon, we are told, is a just and devout man. And these are titles that are hard won. These are not the kind of titles that are kind of handed out at at an awards dinner for good behavior or or, or anything of of that kind or for long service. You you don't become devout just because you've lived a long time. You you don't become just uh, simply for existing. These are titles that, that mean quite a bit about who this man is. One of the things that we see in this preparation in verse 31 is the way that Simeon applies that preparation to what God has done in bringing this day to pass. Again, hear the blessing that Simeon has. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Think about what Simeon is saying here. It's worthwhile to, as we need to sometimes, to kind of compare and contrast uh, uh, these statements. 
You remember, what is Jesus' words to Nicodemus in John 3? Remember, He chastises Nicodemus. For what? Remember, He says, You are a teacher of Israel, yet you do not know these things. What does Simeon know? What we're told here, what does Simeon know? What you have prepared for the face of all peoples. Again, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And how is that? Because His Word has testified to this reality. Again, this isn't rocket science. Simeon has not been receiving kind of private revelations from the Holy Spirit. And Simeon has come to understand these things because he has been attentive to what the Word of God has said. And this is why we are told that Simeon is a just and devout man. Because he has been devout in paying attention to what the Word of God has said of the coming of the consolation of Israel, of the Messiah. And he knows what the prophet Micah has said. That in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, there would be born this child. And he knows that this child would be of the line of David. He knows this child uh, would be born in this day. And again, how does he know this? Again, sometimes I think we can make the Bible more complicated than it needs to be. Again, God has not given us a word of, uh, 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 that, that we have to kind of you know, use a magical decoder ring to figure things out in. Again, that's, that, that's what's common among false religions, right? You know, what's common among false religions is either you have a singular man who has secret knowledge and only by listening to this one man do you find anything out. Or... You know, like the uh, young man in upstate New York, you find some magical glasses and you're able to read these uh, tablets that have been buried in the ground. Of course, Joseph Smith, who I'm referring to there. This idea that the Word of God is hidden from God's people is exactly the opposite of what we see here in the Holy Scriptures. Again, how is... Simeon's title is important for us. Because again, you know, when we look at saints in the Bible, again, we can sometimes kind of place them on a pedestal. Place them in this place where, they're, they're, where, we, where we can never reach that point. But again, all that it tells us here that makes him just and about is that he's been paying attention to what the Bible says. He's been paying attention to what God revealed to the prophet Isaiah. He's been paying attention to what God had revealed uh, throughout the Old Testament. And again, what was the problem uh, with Nicodemus? An old old wise man once said that much learning has driven you mad. That's kind of where Nicodemus is, right? He's so smart, he's dumb. Of course, we probably met people like that. You know, who are so filled with head knowledge, so filled uh, with all of these things, that they can't figure out the most basic things in life. You know, it's interesting the way that God, you know, so often in the Scriptures, will use men like Simeon to show the wise uh, to be the fools for they are, that they are. 
You think of the prophets of the Old Testament. You think of, uh, of somebody uh, like the prophet Amos. You think of somebody uh, of that nature, you know, who was a, a tender, right? You know, Amos was, was just a herdsman. Yeah, but what did God do? He used him mightily to go to speak to the northern kingdom to warn them of the judgment to come. But remember, the people in the northern kingdom were smarter than him. Right? They knew more than he did. And what happened to the northern kingdom? Right? Well, the northern kingdom is no more. Right? The ten tribes were sent into the, the four winds because they did not heed the words of this, this man of Tekoa. And here we have in chapter 2 of the, of the Gospel of Luke a testimony from this man, Simeon. Again, behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and about waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he had been waiting his whole life for this coming of the Messiah. He had been waiting his whole life for the, the, the Messiah to come. And God, in His mercy, has brought him to this place where he will now be in the presence of the Messiah. And again, it's important to note what it says there in verse 25 uh, about how this took place. Verse 25, it tells us the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. Again, sometimes, uh, again, we, we, we can see these testimonies of the Holy Spirit acting. And, and again, we can you know, kind of misunderstand what's happening here. And what we see is, is that God in His mercy has opened His eyes, opened His heart, opened His mind to see these things. And of course, what's true for all of us? How have we come to see and to know and to understand these things? Again, the Holy Spirit has spoken, has worked, has opened our eyes, has awakened us out of death to see these things. Again, this acting of the Holy Spirit has enabled us to the power of the Holy Spirit to understand and to see. Of course, that's one of the messages that Jesus has from Nicodemus there in John 3. Remember he talks there about the wind blowing where it will. Again, Nicodemus, this very intelligent uh, Pharisee who knew the Bible backwards and forwards, had no idea what Jesus was talking about. But this just and devout man, when the Holy Spirit came to him, what did he do? He listened to the Holy Spirit. And why did he listen to the Holy Spirit? Because he was a just and devout man. He was listening for the Holy Spirit. My dad, when I was young, he had this whole setup in the basement of our house in West Virginia. And he, um, you know, we lived up on top of a mountain. Not that that's a big surprise, but we lived on top of a mountain. We had a five meter tower next to our house. And, you know, our neighbors were always curious what my dad was doing, having this five meter tower next to the house. But he had this, um, this uh, ham radio thing set up in the basement. My dad would sit down there and talk to these people from Brazil and, and from Eastern Europe and from all over the world. Then you get these little cards in the mail you know, that they would send with their call letters and things like that. And I remember as a little kid asking my dad how this worked. 
Well, I probably still don't understand how all that actually works, but you know, explain to me about how the frequencies, you know, and how you had to tune in to certain um, gigahertz and megahertz and all that stuff. And that's probably wrong, but uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, like I said, not too smart on that stuff. But you know, this understanding again to talk to that fellow in Brazil, you know, they had to be on the same wavelength. They had to be on the same uh, frequency. Yeah, what we see here with Simeon is he's on the same frequency as the Holy Spirit. Right? He is attuned to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. Again, that doesn't mean that he's some special person. What it means here, again, as a just and devout man, that he was ready, willing, and able to hear the Holy Spirit. And this is a testimony to us, especially as we go and as we read the Word of God. Again, when we go to the Word, are we attuned, are we ready to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us? You know, are we listening to the Holy Spirit when we come to the Word of God? Or are we coming to the Word of God like Nicodemus does, you know, in search of uh, this ability to win kind of uh, Bible jeopardy and things like this? Again, are we, are, are we paying attention to the Word, to the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, this is what Luke is getting to here in mentioning the Holy Spirit uh, these three times. In this testimony of the nature of the work uh, that Simeon has done in preparation for the coming of the consolation of Israel. And when he reads the prophet Isaiah, again, what, what is it that he's looking for? Is he looking uh, for some kind of pithy uh, w- uh, statement? Is he, is he looking uh, for some kind of uh, fleshly way to win arguments? Is he, is he looking for particular things in order to uh, just kind of gain a, a, an earthly place? Now we see that when he goes and he reads the prophet Isaiah, he's listening to what God has to say through the prophet Isaiah. And again, how does Simeon get to the point in his life where he can do that? Again, how does any of us get to that point in life? Again, we come to that point by submitting ourselves to the Word of God. Understanding that when we come to the Scriptures, we are not Lord over them. That we're not coming to the Scriptures to make God do something for us. Right? We're coming to the Scriptures to meet the holy and the living God. You know, to be, again, taught by Him. To be instructed by Him. To be comforted by Him in the Word that He has provided to His covenant people. It's interesting too, what we, else we see going on in this passage is not only are we reminded of the work of the Holy Spirit uh, through the Word of God, we also see something else that we were told last week in the passage uh, that we looked at. Again, when, when, when Joseph and Mary are bringing Jesus to the temple, right? we're told that they're doing it according to the law of Moses. And as we went over this last week, we talked about how that in and of itself testified to the faith of Mary and Joseph. And obviously they were good Jewish parents. They were following the law of Moses. They were doing what the law required. Again, we're we're told something else in the midst of this. This is why Luke reminds us to this. Again, to do for him according to the custom of the law. Again, it tells us something about the way in which Mary and Joseph loved their son. 
And they're not going about these things because that's what good Jewish parents do. Right? They're doing these things because God had commanded Moses and commanded Israel through Moses to do these things. Again, this is a testament again to the just and devout nature of Mary and Joseph. You know, to step back a little bit in the story of Mary and Joseph, you know, sometimes you know, we can kind of miss what Matthew especially is doing in introducing Joseph to us. Remember the, as we read there of you know, Joseph wanting to put Mary away quietly. You know, again, this isn't Joseph trying to get out of a difficult situation. This isn't Joseph kind, kind of trying to use legal means in order to, uh, to, to move on in life. What we see there is a man who loves his wife. What we see there is a man who loves his wife as Christ has loved the church. And we see Joseph there you know, directing his, his will, his work in order to serve Mary. This is one of the reasons why Gabriel comes to him and speaks to him in the way that he does. And again, we see that here once more in this passage in Luke 2. Again, as they are bringing him to the temple according to the custom of the law. And one of the things we see also here is the nature of God's providence. Again, we understand that, that God from the foundation of the world had decreed that Mary and Joseph would be the, uh, uh, the earthly parents of Jesus Christ. And we know from the foundation of the world, God had decreed that Simeon would be at this place, at this time, at this moment, at this day. You know, in a very real sense, you know, what, what has taken place? Again, Simeon has been placed on this earth to do this. To perform this action, to speak unto uh, this work. And again, notice what, what Luke says in verse 28. Again, as he takes Jesus up into his arms, what does he do? It's the first thing we're told that he does. He blesses God. And again, this is not kind of a throwaway word. You know, this isn't Luke trying to kind of uh, make the story sound good. Right? This is a testimony against the just and devout nature of Simeon. That all of these things have taken place. He's had his prayers answered, and his first response is to bless God. And this is a fruit of the Spirit. And this is something that not only can we learn from in this passage, but we can learn from our day-to-day lives. Again, this is a big thing, right, that, that God has answered in the life of Simeon. Right? This is one of these big prayers that God has come to pass. Again, Simeon's first response is to bring praise unto the name of the Lord God. To give thanks for what God has done in his life. And this is, this is part of what we see again of, uh, of devout saints throughout the Scriptures. You know, their first response to whatever happens in their life is to praise the name of God, to bless the name of God. There's, a, you know, there's some similarities, of course, in what we see here with what we think, uh, particularly of a man named Job. We see the life of Job. We see him as God has, again, uh, allowed Satan to bring these things upon him. And what is Job's response? Right? His friends, right, they try to get him for 30 some odd chapters to curse God and die. What does Job not do? Right? What does Job do? Job continually testifies to the blessings of God. Even in the midst of the darkness of the earthly reality that he's living. 
And Simeon here has been waiting his whole life for the consolation of Israel. It's common. His first response again is to give thanks to the Lord for this day. And we hear in the blessing, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Can we, we hear this once more? What, what enables again Simeon to give this response? Again, because he knows that the word of the Lord is sure and right. He knows that the promise of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows that God's Word will never fail and cannot fail because it comes from God Himself. And this is the great comfort of our days. It's a great comfort of when we awake in the morning and as we bless the name of the Lord. This is why we are able to do that. Because these things have happened according to your Word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And this is something else that Simeon's way ahead of everybody else on. It takes a lot of people a while to realize the nature of the gospel. The nature of what Christ has come to do. That this isn't just... In kind of a strict sense, right? The consolation of Israel. And what this is, is the full nature of God's salvation for all mankind. You know, I don't know everybody's background here, but I think most of us are Gentiles. And when we go back and we read those passages in the book of Isaiah... Uh, that speak to the natures of God's glory that is coming unto the Gentiles. And you notice what Simeon does first here. And his first response is a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Now he is remembering this part of the promise. That this child that he's holding in his arms at this moment is going to bring the light of the gospel truth unto the Roman captors who are over the nation. And what, what, what is the thing that the Pharisees are looking for? And what do the Sadducees want out of a Messiah? What do the disciples want out of a Messiah? They're all looking for somewhat the same thing. That God would rid them of the scourge of the Roman people. That God would return things back to the way they were when the kings ruled over Israel. And when Jesus doesn't turn out to be that kind of Messiah, what do we see? We see everyone going away. We see people walking away. But again, Simeon knows what Christ has come to do. He knows what Christ has been prophesied to do because he knows what the Bible says Christ has come to do. To be a light unto the Gentiles. And there, there's a lot of uh, interplay here with Isaiah 66, verses 10 through 12. In that portion of God's Word, Isaiah says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice with joy for her, all you who mourn for her, that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. 
Then you shall feed on her sides, you shall be carried and be dandled on her knees. That's a wonderful testimony again to the nature of the gospel work of Jesus Christ. What, you hear the imagery that Isaiah is using. That sounds like a mother. That sounds like a mother who's carrying her children. Now, I know a lot of us have carried multiple children at a time. But think about the multitudes that are being carried here. Right? That you, again, that you may feed and be satisfied with her, the consolation of her bosom. They may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus says the Lord, again, then you shall feed on her side, you shall be carried, and be dandled on her knees. You hear the beauty of the testimony of what we see that Christ has come to do. And again, Simeon understands that. And that's why he focuses on the salvation and on the light that has been brought to the Gentiles. Again, he knows this stuff because that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the prophets have said the Messiah was going to do. And he is a just and devout man because he's paid attention to what God said he was going to do. Again, that, that's you know, similar to what we noted earlier. Sometimes we can think too much about what the Bible says. You know, know, I told people before, I'm a plain Bible reading man. And what God says is what God says. And I pay attention to what God says. It's easy, especially for those of us who think we know a whole lot, to act like we know a whole lot. But again, the reality is, is we know what the Bible says. And we're comfortable with what the Bible says. And why are we comfortable with what the Bible says? Because this is the word of the living and the true God. Who can improve on this revelation? Now, who can, who, who in, their, in, in their most wildest dreams change what God has said? You know, how many times do we hear uh, 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 the, the kind of thing uh, that we often hear in our own day, you know, half God really said? Well, Simeon's here to tell us, well, yep, God said that. God said it. God revealed it to us. And this is what we're supposed to believe. And again, that's the challenge that that Satan gives to each one of our hearts every day. Are we willing to submit to what God says? For the simple reason, because God said it. I mean, that's one of the things that that, that challenges us from day to day. That's one of the things that causes so much destruction and division. And notice how Simeon closes his blessing. We have this beautiful testimony to these things. And what are the last words that Simeon says to Mary? Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which we have spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul. Now think, think about what's being said here. He starts out with this wonderful testimony about being a light to the revelation of the Gentiles. And oh, by the way, Mary, this, this child that I'm holding is going to pierce your own soul with a sword. And of course, what, what, what does he mean here? What, what is Simeon talking about? Well, remember, what, what happens at the end of Jesus' life? You know, what, what do we see out of Mary at the end of the Gospel of John, for example? In John 19 it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus therefore saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing by, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son. And He said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And think of Mary at the cross. Think of Mary as she's looking up, seeing her, her son. As, she, as he's looking up at the cross, as her son is dying on, uh, on that cross. Suffering on that cross. Uh, and I know many of us, how we react when our children fall and and. and, and you know, merely hurt themselves, the pain that wells up within us. And think of Mary at the cross. And Simeon's telling her that this is going to be the reality. And why does Simeon tell her this? What does the Bible tell us? What do the prophets say in the Old Testament? What will come of the Messiah? What will come of God's own Son? That God's own Son will be the sacrifice for sin. That God's own Son uh, will face death for His people. The God's own Son will bear the weight of sin upon His, his body. He will, again, be sin for those who knew... Uh, the, this one who knew not sin will become sin. That those who are His will no longer know that reality. The beautiful testimony that we see. And this is what is coming in the life of Jesus. And Simeon tells her this again because that's what the Bible says. What is the consolation of Israel? What's the consolation of Mary? What's the consolation of the Gentiles? What is the consolation of all those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ? And is that the end of the story? And we see in John chapter 20 the beautiful testimony of Christ rising from the dead. We see that empty tomb and we see the joy that comes with that blessing. As we read this passage this morning, as we think about, again, the just and about nature of Simeon, as we think of the work of the Holy Spirit, as we see the testimony of what Simeon brings to Mary and to Joseph in this passage, again, what is our comfort? The Heidelberg Catechism, question one, is probably the, the best testimony to this. Again, what is our comfort in life and death? Our comfort in life and death is that we belong body and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, as we go from this place this morning, and as we, we, we think upon the nature of God's work in our lives, as we think upon the nature of what the future beholds for each and every one of us, and let's, let, let, let's see the example that we have here of this just and devout man who is prepared for the coming of the consolation of Israel, who is prepared for the coming of the Messiah. Again, the Messiah that the Scriptures had testified about, not the Messiah of our own imaginations. But as we go through our lives, as we look forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and let us find our comfort and our peace in uh, that truth we see here in the Bible. That all those who rest and trust in Jesus, all those who have their salvation in the righteousness of the Son who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb have nothing to fear in this life. For we know where we're going. And how do we know that? Because the Bible's told us where we're going. What's the reality for all those who are outside of Christ? 
All those who are looking for an earthly Messiah. All those looking for earthly answers uh, to spiritual problems. Now, of course, Nicodemus, we know that that he ends up on the the right side of the ledger. We know that he comes to faith uh, towards the end of the Gospels. But think uh, of all those who uh, are, are falling in the day of Jesus. Who see the coming of Jesus as an attack upon themselves. And do everything they can to destroy Jesus. Who end up in their own death in rebellion against God. What the Scripture tells us. What does the Bible say about that? We know all those outside of Christ will face eternal punishment. Will forever be in torment. And again, we testify to that because that's what the Scriptures say. And so brothers and sisters, as we do go from this place this morning, again, let us be comforted by the good news of salvation. Let us be comforted by the good news that we have done nothing to earn our place in heaven. But because of the coming of the consolation of Israel, because the Holy Spirit has opened our hearts and our minds to see these things, and we can have the testimony that we see here of Simeon. For Lord, You are now letting Your servant depart in peace according to Your Word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father,